Game of the year in college basketball here in the state of Utah. BYU goes into Allen Fieldhouse. No big deal. The ghost of Naismith. Nah. Step aside for a moment. BYU is coming away with a victory. And to help break it down, Mark Durant, kind enough to join us. Mark, you were there. You were courtside. You saw all the action. Just how cool was that moment for BYU? Well, man, I I mean, that's the bucket list of all bucket lists right there. And I don't have to tell you guys how cool it was just to go and uh, be in that building and the, the home of basketball, the birthplace of basketball, really, in a lot of respects. And James Naismith Court and Fog Allen Fieldhouse, I mean – it was just really, really cool. As someone that uh, basketball has been such a big part of my life, to be in that building was was uh, you know it was uh, something else. It was it was ethereal. It was heavenly, and so there was that part of it. And then for BYU to play like they did and uh, make big plays at the end of that game, get make some big defensive plays, you know, go down the list, Dallin Hall, Trevin Nell, Jackson Robinson, Richie Saunders, Vicente Traore. I mean, everybody, Waterman, everybody contributed, made big plays in, in just the most high-pressure, intense, movie-like environment I've ever experienced and to perform at a high level and get a win in that place that we've just been talking about. I mean, it was really cool. Aside from me being a BYU fan, it was just a cool basketball experience, and uh, I loved it. I just loved it. Well, that's kind of why we had to have you come on is, like, confirm the fact that BYU did, in fact, win. Because, <laughs> you know, you're, you're watching it play out, and you're like, so this is happening, huh? So Hall is going to step back and knock down a three to extend the lead. Talk about just that play alone where I believe BYU was up two at the, that point and, and a hall steps back and knocks down a three and you just sit there and shake your head. Well, a few minutes before that, I could tell Dallin was, was kind of, he had that look in his eye and he had it in, in, late in the game at San Diego state where it was just a sense that he was not going to let BYU lose the game. And he, he had a really tough, hard drive to the bucket for, to the basket for two hit another three. And then when he, and all game on Dickinson, uh, I mean, he is, he, he makes hands look like a toddler. I mean, he's a massive human <laughs> and he, he's just such a dominant physical presence, but it was difficult for him to guard the three point line at times. And once he got switched uh, onto uh, Dallin Hall, I could see Dallin measuring him knowing he was going to shoot, just trying to, to find the right the spacing to get it over him. And uh, he, he let it fly, and it was it was pure, man. That, that, that's such a, a gutsy shot. And uh, and it wasn't just Allen. Everybody made plays like that. And it was, it was an iconic shot uh, and something I'll remember forever. But that whole team effort was, was really something. What's it like as a player when you have those shots or have those moments where you're like, I'm going to remember that the rest of my life? You know, you know, you know, hands has it in football, you know, but for us, Joe Schmuckatelli is like myself that never got to experience playing athletics at that high of level. What's that moment like when you're like, you know what? I just did something really, really cool. Well, I don't. 
I don't have a lot of those, uh, but I was on teams where guys made those types of plays. And I go back to Robbie Reed hitting the big shot at Utah. Sorry to bring that up for the Utah fans, but that was just an amazing moment at the Huntsman Center. He hit a shot like Dallin Halls, and we won that game. And and the celebration and just the the feeling of (laughs) elation and love for your teammates and just because, listen, as you guys know, there's a lot of heartbreak in sports, and there's probably a lot more heartbreak than uh, those kind of games and those kind of feelings. So I, I always just really try and enjoy it when good things happen and uh, just bask in it because uh, that doesn't stay around for very long most of the time. And uh, so, it, I mean, it's a, it's a special memory that those guys will have forever. I mean, those guys went into Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas uh, and with all the six championship banners and all the players on the banners and in, in, in the most difficult environment to play maybe in the country and they got it done. And that's something you can always look back on and say that that was a, a really special moment. I can't imagine what it feels like to be like a Dallin hall that actually made the shot, man. That, that's beyond my pay grade as a player. Uh, but that, that's really cool. And, you know, these kids, uh, they got a lot, a lot of perks and a lot of, you know, positive things, but they also take a lot of criticism and, you know, their parents hear a lot of the criticism and it, it's a tough thing to be a player in today's social media world. And so I, I just love when good things happen for him, uh, that it can be a special thing and Alan deserves it. He's been playing great. Yeah, his play as a point guard, as a sophomore coming into the Big 12, playing against the competition he has and his low turno- low turnovers and hitting big shots. I mean, running that team has been remarkable. So congrats to Dallin. That's a special shot. But the whole team is, celebrates that that shot. And it's it, they all made it. I mean, it wasn't just Dallin. They all made it. And uh, it would be a great memory. Mark, did you get to hear uh, Bill Self's post game? Did you get to listen to any of that? Didn't listen to it, but I heard a couple of things he said. He asked some reporting on it. Well, the comment, we went through, I did three cut segment with it because I thought it was fascinating, his specific take on BYU. And the one that really struck out or stuck out to me was he called him Tror, but he said, man, that big forward (laughs) Tror, he just, he only (laughs) scored six points, but he wrecked us. Kind of expand on that a little bit. What was Torore doing that just, changed and affected so many things in that game oh Fosini Tror yeah (laughs) yeah he he was great and let me talk about a couple things two he had five assists in the game and two of them were late and he got the ball down low where he could have tried to force up a shot because he's he's really good on, on the block and but you got Dickinson there you got Adams there that's tough and rather than force it he kicks it to an open shooter in the corner and they hit two big threes because of his passing. Uh, and so that was incredible unselfishness and incredible awareness for a big man. Um, talk about Ali Khalifa's passing a lot, which we should, but the Pusini is a, a very good passer and, and made big plays there. And then on the other end, you know, he's pretty undersized. I mean, talking about looking like a toddler, uh, he, he, he looked half the size of uh, Dickinson, but I tell you, he is incredibly strong, and his size, his his shorter height almost works to his advantage because he get, has real low center of gravity, real strong legs. So as long as Dickinson doesn't beat him to the block, 
he can't move Foose. I mean, he, he Foose will be able to keep him away, and and that was hard for Dickinson. He got he got his clearly, uh, but a lot of the times he was forced to hit to shoot a little bit longer shot than he was comfortable with, so he missed a few of those. And and overall, I think BYU got in his head a little bit. Trevin Nell got mixed up with him a little bit, and and he ended up missing a ton of free throws. I mean, it was brutal watching him, but. But I thought BYU did a great job, and it started, I think, with how physical Poos and I think Ali Khalifa. Ali, Ali's a big body; he's hard to move as well, and it, so it was not easy for for Hunter Dickinson. All right, so everybody, I, I I don't think you can go to the grocery store, Mark. I don't think you can fill up a tank of gas with somebody coming up to you and asking you, "How does a team that went seven and nine in the West Coast Conference last year?" now already have 20 wins in Big 12 play, the hardest conference in all of college basketball, including a win in Kansas against the Jayhawks a year later. How is that even possible? Well, I don't know that I know the answer, but I know that just living another year, like your radio show is way better this year than it was last year. I mean, you guys, you guys were pretty average last year. <laughs> we were seven and nine in West coast play last year in radio yeah. terms. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's generous, uh, but, <laughs> but you've, you've, and you've been together and you've worked together and, and, and time makes you better, especially at that age, a year can make all the difference in the world. Also, being together uh, I mean most of this team was that team last year and they've been playing for several years now uh, together and that's really unusual in college basketball now you get teams like Utah State that are playing incredible basketball just bringing in kind of a new team but uh, I think if if you can have a team where you don't lose a lot of guys you bring in a couple key pieces like Ali Khalifa then you can really make a lot of improvements just knowing each other and knowing the system and knowing where the other guy's going to be all the time. So I think that's big. And then, you know, guys like Dallin Hall and Richie Saunders coming off a mission, hadn't played for a couple of years as freshmen, they're going to make exponential improvements. And Noel Waterman, now what a dude, Noel Waterman, and he, uh, I feel bad about how I felt about him last year. He did fine. He made some. He made a lot of shots, but he has become such a force defensively and rebounding. He's completely new player, completely. And I credit him uh, recognizing where he needed to improve and, and getting better. And so I mean a lot of things. Ali, obviously, Ali Khalifa. He he makes uh, everything work a little bit better in the spacing. And he's and and people cut harder because they know that they're going to get rewarded from him. And and he's he's he creates a lot of offense just by himself. That is to say, all that's just kind of factored into it, I think. I don't know that there's one answer, um, but they've kind of found a little bit of something and some confidence and uh, a real team unity, and that goes a long way in college basketball nowadays. So yesterday I was getting ready for this game, and Greg was joining us, and and before Greg could come on, I was just doing some research that morning on on shooters and, and maybe who's got the influence on the team. And I was looking at Jackson Robinson's numbers coming into that game, and Mark, I'd found that he was 7 of 41 um, from three in the losses over the last 11 games. 7 of 41 in the losses. That's 17%. He was 18 of 38 from three in the wins, hitting 47%. A very heavy influence. But the crazy thing was, the thing that I, I just 
was looking at thinking, oh, man, this is this is not looking good. He was 3 of 21 from 3 in his last three road games. And this was a difficult road uh, game and a difficult place to play. But Jackson Robinson shakes off all of that and comes out and has <clears throat> a fantastic performance last night, scoring 18 points, going 4 of 9 from 3, 6 of 15 from the field. And I don't know if he's nailed down the sixth man. It, it sure feels like he should. But should his role change? Will his role change when you get into tournament play? Do minutes go up? Does he potentially force into the starting five? Or or do you just keep rotating him like you've done? Yeah, I mean, all you, all you said was accurate. Uh, he, he has struggled at times. And when he does, he tends to lose because he's that important of a player. Um, but it's remarkable, these young kids, he and – you know, Trevin Nell or whoever, they, they have zero memory of the last shot they took. Like Trevin last night missed a, a three as bad as I've ever seen a three missed. And then the next time down the floor, they hit him again and he nails a huge three. So they're, they're, the memory of great shooters, they, they have no memory. All they remember is they're great. And they don't remember the, the last shot that they missed. And so Jackson's that kind of guy, completely unflappable, as cool uh, as they come, almost relishes in the big situations, the big shots. And he, he really delivers when it counts. I, I would like him to be, you know, a little bit more consistent. Um, but that's, you know, <laughs> that, that's a little small pet peeve. Uh, but when he's when he's on, uh, BYU usually wins. And he, he does a lot of other things well. I like he's being a little more aggressive this year. But, but as far as if you need a guy to hit a shot down the stretch, man, choose Jackson Robinson. He's He's a – just a dead, deadly uh, guy late in the game. And um, so, you, you know, it, it, it's a tough, a little bit of a tough road for BYU. And they rely so much on the three. So if you don't make threes like at Kansas State, it's going to be a, a real struggle. But but when they're good and when they can shoot, I'd say, above 35% and shoot 30-plus threes and Jackson leading the way, uh, you can beat anybody. And they showed that last night. Well, I think uh, I don't think it was in doubt going into the game, but BYU certainly a tournament lock after that game last night and winning a game at Kansas. Uh, so, what are your expectations this year? Uh, obviously, you know you want to make a run in the tournament, but it feels like hey, everything now is just the cherry on top of what's already been a fantastic season. Yeah, you know, listen, we in Utah have a inferiority complex about the tournament and stuff. And, and so I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure that, you know, people talk about them being a lock. I wasn't sure that I think they are now with that win. So now it's about, let's not just get to the tournament. Let's yeah. put ourselves in a position where we can have some success. Cause that's really kind of been the burden on BYU. You know, you're always at eight to 12 and, you know, hardly ever get past the first round, but if you can somehow get a four or five, and, and that's now that's now a reasonable idea after beating Kansas. If you can win a couple home games, maybe win one game in the conference tournament, and, and then you really put yourself in a nice spot. Maybe you're in Salt Lake. I mean, can you imagine being oh, yeah. a five seed in Salt Lake? Distinct that, that, possibility that, now. Yeah, that that could put you in a great spot to win. Actually, do something in the tournament, and, and that's fun. And so. As great as that win was last night, it was an all-timer. I hope that was not the high point for this team. And I hope they can continue to win games and put themselves in a great spot 
in NCAA tournament to actually win some games, and I think they're capable of it. They've got, you know, they got their weaknesses, and, and maybe they'll have a, a tough game. But one of the things I like about playing in the Big 12, getting to the NCAA tournament, there's not a team in the country, whoever they face, that they'll be surprised by, surprised by the athleticism, or not uh, kind of not be ready for it because. In past years, I think BYU has played well, but they get to the tournament and they play at Texas A&M or Cincinnati or whatever, and they just weren't used to it. But they're certainly getting used to playing against these type of great teams and physical athletic teams. And so that won't be a surprise to them, and I hope they get a good seed and, and we're able to do something with it. I'm uh, I'm thinking a BYU-Utah State second-round matchup here in Salt Lake City. <laughs> Listen, uh, uh, that would be amazing. I'm not saying it wouldn't be amazing, but uh, let's, listen. Let's. How about we meet? How about we meet, meet in the final four or something? There you go. Uh, I, prefer, I prefer that a little bit better. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to see. I don't want to see any Utah teams. I don't want to see Gonzaga or St. Mary's. I, I want. I'm just. It's been too long. I just want something, something different. The last bracketology I saw was Gonzaga on a plan. I did too. Yeah, and BYU was the yeah. seven. No, thank you. Yeah, hard, as hard. much as I think BYU could beat them, I, I, I just I'm, I'm done with that. I don't want. I don't want to see that. Although it would be kind of fun to uh, bounce Gonzaga from the NCAA tournament oh, after all those yeah. years in the West oh, Coast. Yeah. Be oh, such well, a good they, they did it the year before. Yeah, that's they right. In and then they could, year that the year that he leave would be a nice uh, symmetry there. Yep. Well, Mark, you're the best, man. Always good catching up with you. Not only a heck of a commentator, but a good friend and a good dude. And uh, can't thank you enough for always being willing to uh, jump on and talking about some great moments there for BYU basketball. Uh, it, it was fun. Thanks for having me on. And I, I can't think of two guys I like better than you two. You're, you're great friends. And uh, I know you're happy for me because I'm happy and I would be happy for you. I mean, I, I love what Utah State's doing and the good times you're having and hands doing the football. I mean, I just, it's just really fun to be a part of it. Well, I'm going to come down and see you Saturday. Um, I'm headed down to the game for TCU and, and I'll come down and give you a big bear hug. You and Rubes. <laughs> do it, brother. Do it. Bring a chocolate pinata with you, my friend. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll break one at the court side. <laughs> there he is, Mark Durant. Uh, color analyst for BYU basketball and uh, part of history last night with that call.